I did the radio show, and then we went to television. And it was just marvelous. Dick Crenna was funny and wonderful in it and grew up on it. Jeff was in the radio show. Was he Ira Grassell then? I think he was still Ira Grassell. That was his name before Jeff Chandler, and I think that was his name then. Yes, and then he went into pictures right away. And I eased into the alley and waited. Pretty soon a side door opened and out came Helen. Just as I got to her, I heard a noise behind me. I started to turn around, but too late. A king-sized comet exploded over my right ear, and the ground came up and hit me in the face. Jeff Chandler was born Ira Grassell in Brooklyn, New York, on December 15, 1918. Raised by his mother, Ira went to Erasmus High School. The New Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. Michael Shane, reckless, red-headed Irishman, back again in his old haunts in New Orleans. This is your director, Bill Russo, inviting you to listen to another transcribed episode, which we call The Case of the Gray-Eyed Blonde. He later took courses at the Fegan School of Dramatic Art in New York and was briefly in radio before getting a job with a troupe on Long Island as an actor and stage manager. Yeah, let's see, maybe Trinidad. Yep. And then, you know, where's that folder on the Virgin Islands? He worked for various stock companies yeah. over the next two years, including a performance in The Trojan Horse, opposite Gordon and Sheila McRae. Havana on the way back. Sloppy Joes, girls, and... Well, hello. Michael Shane? Mm-hmm. Hello, Mike. Oh? Helen. Chandler served in the Pacific and finished World War II as a lieutenant. Sit down. In December of 1945, after being discharged, he moved to Los Angeles. No, just taking a poor man's vacation. Reading travel folders? Well, probably almost as much fun as actually taking the trips. I doubt it. Is uh, something the matter? Matter? By May of 1946, he was appearing on radio, becoming one of Hollywood's reliable character men. Make quite a dent. Gray eyes, red lips. The next autumn, he was cast as the lead in The New Adventures of Michael Shane, a syndicated program written by Larry Marcus and produced by Bill Rousseau and Don W. Sharp. It was the first program sold through the Broadcasters Guild. The series was ready for release at the beginning of March, 1948. You run errands, Mike? Errands? Burns, what kind? Well, I made a mistake quite a while ago, Mike. Big mistake. I've been paying for it ever since. Regularly. Blackmail. Mm-hmm. One more payment, the account's closed for good. So? So, I want you to make that last payment for me. Tonight. Uh, just for my own information, Helen, you're not by any chance asking me I'm to... I'm not asking you to kill anyone, Mike. That's good to know. No, this is all on the up and up. Here are two envelopes. The instructions are in this one. Instructions? Yeah, where and how you're to meet the, uh, man you're to meet. Uh-huh. When you do meet him, you hand him this other envelope. In return, he'll give you a small package. You bring that back to your office, I pick it up here. Michael Shane led uh, Jeff Chandler to the I radio role of a lifetime opposite Eve Arden. Well, I don't expect anything will, but in case of emergency, try my hotel. Do you remember when you when you uh, first met them? Mary Jane told me on the phone last night that she was on Armis Brooks. Yeah, she was my my rival, Miss Enright. Miss Enright? Yeah. Huh. And... Uh, and you knew Jeff Chandler. Oh, yeah. My original leading man. My daughter came here today and said, Mother, I got a cassette 
of, of our Miss Burke. And she said, Jeff Chandler was on it. <laughs> so she was kind of surprised. That he was on it for as long as he was. Well, yes, she didn't realize that he had been the first one. I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. I've already paid for my ticket, and the other members of the club expect me at the club jamboree. In fact, I promised I'd be there by 10.30. Well, it's only 10 now. You could stay for a little while. Here, sit down on the couch, Mr. Boynton. Well, I, I guess I could stay for about 10 minutes or so. Fine, we'll have a million laughs. <laughs> Our Miss Brooks premiered on July 19th, 1948. Jeff Chandler co-starred as Philip Boynton, the bashful biology teacher and chief object of Mrs. Brooks' affection. Uh, uh, don't you think you're sitting rather close to me, Miss Brooks? I know I'm sitting close to you, Mr. Boynton. Well, I, I mean, I'm a little off balance. I don't want to break any records. Don't worry, you won't. <laughs> Chandler and Eve Arden had noticeable on-air chemistry. Oh, say, here's a great old number. If I could be with you one hour tonight... I'm a lone cow hand. <laughs> Baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> Don't fence me in. <laughs> I'm in the mood for love. It's too late now. <laughs> I can dream, can't I? All right, Louie, drop the gun. <laughs> the next year, Chandler was cast as Chad Remington in Frontier Town. Produced in syndication by Bruce Ells Productions. Frontier Town, the saga of the Roaring West. Frontier Town. El Paso, Cheyenne, Powder River, Tombstone. Frontier Town. Here is the adventurous story of the early West, the tamed and untamed from Cheyenne to Calgary, from Dodge City to Poker Flat. These are the towns they fought to live in and lived to fight for, teeming crucibles of freedom. Frontier Town! Chad Remington was a young lawyer who wanted to use the justice system to help clean up his hometown, Dos Rios, Texas. In the first episode, Remington comes to Dos Rios to find out who murdered his father. Wade Crosby portrayed Remington's comic relief sidekick, Cherokee O'Bannon, in the vein of W.C. Fields. Virginia Gregg played girlfriend Libby. I was always an actress, I guess, always going to be an actress. But I was also a musician. I played double bass file. And I wound up in the Pasadena Symphony Orchestra, where I played for four years. Then I joined a group called the Singing Strings. We were on staff at CBS for a year. We were on staff at the Mutual Network for a year and a half. And there I started doing commentaries and emceeing and so forth, and I got into little parts, and I decided to give up music, and I sold my bass that night. So I'd never go back to it. And I knew enough people by then that I could go to the stations and say, I'm an actress, and they say, no, you're not, you're a musician. That's a tough transfer from music to acting. But I made it. A frontier town, loud and lusty. Tough and tumbling like a score of other frontier towns. El Paso, Cheyenne, Tombstone. The only difference probably is the name of the town. Dos Rios, that's Spanish for two rivers. 
My name is Remington, Chad Remington. Born in Dos Rios 20-odd years ago. And reared there until I went upstate to school to study law. And I wouldn't have come back, I guess, if I hadn't gotten word that my father was found murdered. Murdered in cold blood. So I threw a few things into a carpet bag. Took the first stagecoach out of Denver. And then stretched my long legs by walking the familiar rutted street past the stores with false fronts. And a half dozen saloons. Over to the white Dolby house that belongs to Judge Fillmore and his daughter Libby. I thought Father should have written you a letter, Chad. Still think it would have been easier on you since there was nothing you could do about it anymore. You always wanted to let me down easy, Libby. The judge was right telegraphing me. I was sure that's the way you'd feel about it, my boy. Uh, exactly what happened? They found your father face down in the corral with an arrow between his shoulder blades. Arrow? It was an arrow, all right, Chad. Regular engine arrow. Minute I heard, I rode right out to his ranch myself. No Indians around Dos Rios. No bad Indians. Folks around here don't think so. They blamed it on John Tallfeather, the Indian who used to work for your father. John Tallfeather was as fond of my father as, well, as I am. What's more, John was a Choctaw. Choctaws haven't used arrows since the Mexican Wars. Where is John? I'm going out and tell him I don't believe all that loose-mouthed gossip. John Tallfeather's dead, Chad. They strung him up the same night your father was found. Strung him up? Who strung him up? A mob. A mob headed by your father's own neighbors, Rafe and Breck Kincaid. Kincaid's? Oh, I should have known. This is no backwoods we're living in any longer. It may be the frontier, but it's the frontier of civilization. I've heard you make that speech before, my boy. For all the good it does. This country will never be anything but a lawless wilderness until men learn to respect the due processes of law. Why do they think I left the ranch and went off to school? We know, Chad. We agree with you. But while there are people around like the Kincaids, what are you going to do? I'm going to do something, and you can bet on that. Now don't go flying off the handle, young man. The Kincaids are gunfighters, both of them. A lot worse than that if they lynched poor John Tallfeather. And if there's any law in this country at all, they're going to pay for it. If you and Libby will excuse me, Judge, I'll leave my bags here. Of course, Chad, but where are you going? To start with, down to the livery stable. Renting myself a horse. Frontier Town. First ran locally on San Francisco's KQW in the spring of 1949. KQW became KCBS that April, and the series continued until August 8th. In 1949, Chandler was cast as Israeli leader Kurta in the film Sword in the Desert. He impressed studio executives so much with his work that shortly into filming, Universal signed him to a seven-year contract. It is known that the chief of the Chiricahua Apaches is the greatest Indian leader. I've come to speak to him about the welfare of his people. It is known that he respects truth as he respects bravery. The next year, 20th Century Fox borrowed Chandler for the role of the Apache chief, Cochise, in Broken Arrow. He starred alongside James Stewart. You hold these for me? 
I'll want them when I leave. How do you know you will leave here alive? I am Cochise. Speak. The performance earned him an Academy Award nomination and established him as an A-list star. Radio was suddenly less of a possibility due to time constraints. But if Chandler was leaving radio, it was against his will. He told the Chicago Tribune that he didn't find film acting nearly as gratifying as radio acting. He wanted to eventually branch off into writing and directing. When our Miss Brooks moved into TV in 1952, Chandler wasn't allowed to make the transition with the rest of the cast. While we're talking about him, when I was coming along in the 50s and going to movies and seeing Jeff Chandler, he was really the epitome of tough male action. And I yeah. think I was somewhat shocked when I went back and started listening to Armis Brooks on tape yeah. to find out what a real comedic talent this man was. Yes, yes, he was. He loved the shows, though. He really wanted to go into TV with it. But he would never have done on TV because he was so macho in appearance. And I remember at Christmas, we always had to be careful because he had to kiss Miss Brooks. And he took it very seriously then. And the audience was kind of astounded. Hmm. And Bob Rockwell, of course, made it a very good Mr. Boynton because he was a little less macho than, than Jeff, and yet he had a nice male quality, you know. Oh, uh, you mean then the decision to use um, uh, Bob Rockwell on television was made because they didn't think Jeff Chandler would fit the part? Well, partially that, but really, Jeff was becoming a big movie star. That's what I thought. And the studio wanted him to do it, but he was very sentimental about the show and wanted to stay on. But they finally persuaded him that that was the thing to do. Wedding cake, father, good old Kentucky bourbon under my pillow. And uh, let this be a lesson to you, Todd. The most important thing that glitters doesn't have to be a nugget. It's usually a woman with a heart of gold. Meanwhile, due to his status as an A-list star. Frontier Town was revived by CBS for a coast-to-coast -coast network run. Chandler reprised the role. Thanks to transcription, he was able to record several episodes in a sitting. Frontier Town returned to the air beginning May 6, 1952. But by then, Chandler's commitments to film made it impossible for him to work in radio. Between 1951 and 53, he was featured in 14 films. Chandler left the program after the February 27, 1953 episode, Thunder Over Texas. Reed Hadley took over the lead, and Frontier Town went off the air for good after the August 14th episode. Frontier Town, starring Tex Chandler, is a Bruce L's production. And supervision... Jeff Chandler would spend the rest of the decade making films. On April 15, 1961, he was playing a pickup game of basketball with some U.S. Army Special Force soldiers while working on Merrill's Marauders in the Philippines. During the game, Chandler severely injured his back. 
He was given injections to deaden the pain so that he could finish the film. On May 13th, he entered a Culver City hospital to have surgery for a spinal disc herniation. An artery was accidentally damaged during the procedure and Chandler hemorrhaged. Four days later, in a seven and a half hour emergency operation, he was given 55 pints of blood. A third operation followed on May 27th while he received an additional 20 pints. But an infection followed. Complicated by pneumonia, he caught at the hospital in his weakened state. Jeff Chandler never recovered. He died on June 17, 1961, just two months after the basketball game. His friends were shocked and horrified. He died fairly young, didn't he? Uh, yes, and very unnecessarily. Well, it was a... a the doctor snipped a bit of another organ, and he got gangrene oh, and died. Wow. It was just awful. More than 1,500 people attended his funeral. Paul Bearers included Tony Curtis and Gerald Moore. Jeff Chandler was 42 years old. So I moved, and I didn't want to leave NBC. I loved NBC. But I had to make some kind of a deal where I could make some money, because here I was getting a terrific salary, and it was all salary. And I couldn't make a deal for a company. Well, I wouldn't care if I got a million dollars a week. That wouldn't do me any good. What good would that be? With income the tax, tax right? Really sure. Right. So the ones that made me the deal and came right through with it quick was CBS. Then, of course, when NBC realized I was going to go, then they were willing to make a deal, but I didn't want to play one against the other, so I merely took CBS. Well, CBS had uh, generally rated NBC at that time, didn't they, with these uh, No, NBC, NBC was, the, yeah, once I got on, but NBC was really the first network. Then when I moved over, a lot of shows moved over. Mm -hmm. So that made really CBS come up on top. Yeah, I made the millions CBS by that move, which I didn't know or didn't think, you know. Didn't. 